Welcome, Max and Talon Bolin. How you guys doing? Good, good. Just yeah, been been doing a little work this morning. Max doing his, his training, and yeah, then just get in here and yeah, do the show. Been kind of excited about this last couple of days. Yeah, I'm excited. So, like I was telling people, I, I'm Dark Side from the Moto X Pod Show at Moto X Pod Show on Instagram. I want to welcome Talon and Max Bolin, and I want to thank at Acherby's Motorsports Instagram page and Cherubies USA for inviting me to do this. Uh, they sponsor our show, and really just stoked to have you guys on board, Talon. You've been a wonderful addition to our show, man. I'm super excited to get this thing going. Uh, cool. Obviously, Cherubies been around for decades with amazing product. Fits good, looks good, lasts. Obviously, you know it's one of the top. Not only do you guys have amazing plastic, I love your motorcycle stand. The new stand that came out last year was uh, yeah. love it. Yeah, it's really cool. You can put the graphics on there and get your get your number that's related with your bike. So yeah, it's good stuff, man. Yeah, we love it. Cool. Well, we we only have an hour to get to a lot of stuff, so let's get going with this thing. Um, so Talon, you're a legend, man, in the sport. Um. What age were you when you really first started getting on a bike? Were you, you know, the typical five-year-old on a PW50, or how'd that go with you and your brother? Yeah, yeah, you know, my dad was a typical moto guy, so it started me at, uh, actually even younger because, uh, you know, I was, I had a brother, so Tyson used to race, so, you know, I basically got his hand-me-downs, he started, I wanted a bike, a Kiwi, so it kind of went through the same process probably most kids do. Um, I think it's a little different when you're a sibling, though, um, because you kind of don't have as much pressure and you get the old hand-me-downs, which in one way, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> looking back on it, was probably pretty good. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that's the way it works. How long before you knew you uh, you had some talent? Um, it's kind of funny. Again, Tyson seemed like he had all the pressure. So um, he was, like, the priority. And I was just like, yeah, go ahead, okay, ride or whatever. And so I always feel like now looking that the younger brother – probably sometimes is in a better situation because they're not under all that pressure all the time. Right. So for me, I didn't really recognize or even get that serious about it until I was about 12 or 13. Okay. And Max... Well, that was just, just along for the ride for fun. You know? Right, right. Yeah, that probably does... It's got to be a lot easier. You know, we're going to get into pressures of being a youth rider and a superstar here in a minute. But Max, you started out with BMX. Um, you know, what age did you do that and what age did you actually get on a dirt bike? Um, well, I, I believe I first started riding... Because we first we first got a dirt bike, but I only rode a couple times and, and like almost crashed. So we got a <laughs> bike just to to you know get my balance. So that, yeah. I think I started racing BMX around five, and uh, I raced till just a little into seven years old, and I started started riding. Um, I believe at seven and a half. Okay, talent. Yeah, Scott, uh, I, oh, go ahead. I took him out riding, and then I realized immediately that he was way over his head. <laughs> He got stuck in on this bigger kid, and, you know, it scared the crap out of me. So I, yeah. I also realized as a dad, different than as a rider, it's so much more scary. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. I was uh, – my, my son rode for about nine months maybe, and it was, like, the worst period of time for me at the track because I was just constantly right. worried about him. So, yeah, I can only imagine, you know, especially with where his career path – you know, where Max's career path was going, how, how gnarly that's going to yeah. be. Where yeah. I, I love the name Maximus. Like to me, that's like a superhero name. Uh, <laughs> where where did you? How did you decide upon the name Maximus? I, I I hate to even say this, but I watched the heck out of Gladiator, so I love that movie. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so that's actually it's actually before my daughter's born. I'm like you see Maximus, and then with my daughter, and say, oh. So when uh, when when my son came along, the you know the second one, okay, we're doing it. So that's yeah, what uh, it's awesome though. Okay, so Max was born uh, two years after you retired. You know, at yeah. what time, when he was born, was this like, okay, I'm having a boy, I, I want my son to ride, I hope he rides, or was there any thought of that at that age, at, you know, at a, when he was first born? No, not, not at all. I tell you, as, as a rider, and I'm, probably most riders are like this, it's a tough sport, and, yeah. you know, you're always going to pick up some injuries along the way, and, and when those happen, you're like, my kid's playing golf or I'm doing, you know, I'm going to do something different. And I think probably most people are like that, but you know, life is long. And I, and I, and I started realizing you always, it, it kind of always end up coming back around to what you know. And that was the situation for me at, at first when they were little running around here, the house, I had no aspirations for riding. And, um, but then you start thinking after four or five years, like, man, business is harder than I thought. So the one thing that I know is this and our dads, I, I suppose maybe even Diga's dad's like this, but they started, they had passion, but they didn't know crap. Where we've been through it, so I can structure everything 100%. So it's like it's almost like a do-over again, but I know every 
it. So yeah. if I, it's almost like I wish that I would have had it this way, but I can put him in every best situation, bike program, all this, all this stuff that I didn't have. And, you know, I mean, I did really well, but I wasn't completely successful. I didn't make it to the very, very top and, 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 and live there. Um, and those are the things that I want to like, I want to help him. And it's small things. It's like, I call it like the last 10%. A lot of it's mental. Right. But that's, that's the part where I feel I can really give him the right tools to accomplish that. Okay. Uh, so, Max, your, your dad and your uncle, I mean, like I said, they're, they're to, to us as older guys, they're legends in the sport. At what age did you realize how much talent they had? And do you feel any pressure to live up to the Volan name? You know, is that even something that you focus on? Uh, well, I can't, I can't really pinpoint an age, but I do remember back watching BS, VHS tapes of my dad riding and, and stuff. And, some old technology. And just, just, re just recently we've been pulling up YouTube videos of him riding. And, uh, I mean, yeah, you, you watch him ride and it's like, holy shit, he's, he's like actually going fast. Like, I probably couldn't beat him at that point. Not right well, now. Yeah, especially considering they were on bikes that were – technology technology wise nowhere near what you have they're on two strokes it takes a lot more talent you're riding a 125 you know you can't just twist the throttle on a 125 and rail like on a, a four stroke so, yeah sure. yeah the, your dad probably had way more talent than you have max <laughs> yeah, that's right that's right for sure. um all right so talon you i believe you had at one loretta lens championship you know back back in the old days right you know but what did that championship mean to you um, you know, actually at that time, I don't know if you remember this, but Ponca City and, so you go to Ponca first and yeah. then you go to Loretta. And at that time, um, Ponca was actually a bigger championship to win. So Loretta's was kind of just getting started. And, uh, but, but both of them were important. Um, but back then too, there wasn't as many secondary teams and, and teams to help you out. So, I mean, there was really just the factory ride that was so difficult to get. So yeah, they would definitely look there a little bit, but it wasn't definitely wasn't like even if you won you got a ride where nowadays pretty much you win most of the guys will get some rides coming up through orange brigade or team green the back then it was just team green and those things were pretty much locked down yeah um so you know it was super important but i almost feel like it's it's still even more important now because you can actually get a ride right out, out of a rep i mean that's i hate to say that and i hate that it's that way but that race is just so dang important you know um, to get recognition and, and get an opportunity yeah, so for our international viewers, uh, yourself and Max, like Loretta's has become the, the end-all, be-all almost of amateur championships. Uh, so, Max, talk about that a little bit, just what that means as an amateur rider, like your dad just said, you know, how much it helps. You know, you you almost train all year to focus to, to get there. Well, yeah, uh, Loretta's is definitely the biggest amateur race of the year for for amateur riders, and, and you could – you could pretty much go and, and win all the other amateur races, but everyone's looking at the Reddas. So if you don't win that one, it's really hard to get noticed in the amateur scene right now. So really, it's all year long just for that one race. And, you know, you have one bad moto and and, and things can, can not go your way. But, right. but, but really, it is good track that they have there. And 20-minute motos is definitely better than any other amateur race they have. But for sure, I'd like to see something in the nationals for the kids. Yeah, so I just thought of this. This wasn't in our notes, so you, you may be unprepared. But Deegan said recently that he would like to see a um, like a regional amateur series. So like you guys are on the West Coast, you would have your you know whatever championship, and then uh, you know there'd be one the East Coast, maybe a Central one at Freestone. So you guys wouldn't have to travel to Freestone, and then everybody come together at Loretta's that did well there or something along that lines, it would save a lot of money, especially for the kids that don't have the money to travel all over the country. What do you think about that, Talon? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, there's there's a couple different amateur racing opinions and options. Mm. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I'm all about saving money because it is expensive. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I guess what I'm getting at is it would be cool to have it in some way. I don't know how to structure it to be a bit of a series and just come down to this one race. Yeah. You know, because when we go professional, fortunately, we get 12 rounds. So you can kind of uh, 
take a look at it and figure out what's the average position you need you need to be in to maybe be in a top three or five year first year or something like that where it's just so tough to go all in on one race you know like literally you you prepare all year for the red so you you're guiding your training and you're stretching and trying to peak right at the right time and it's just it is what it is but it's just it's tough you know it makes it tough because there's so much pressure for that one race yeah definitely all right so max you uh you have three loretta lynch titles all of them one 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 sweeps you ever give your dad a little elbow about that you know a little bit hey look at what i did uh i don't think not yet i definitely <laughs> will if if the time comes and I, I win say a 250 championship or an outdoor championship because that's something the bowl name's never done so i'll definitely give him shit for that there you go right in the future. so so fortunately nowadays older guys like us have youtube and <laughs> and somebody's out there posting all the old videos right so i've been able to now learn how to screen record so of course i screen record just the part where i pass carmichael so if you ever you know even now when i'm training number seven he might be i you don't know what you're doing you're too old i yeah. wait a minute <laughs> yeah. Check hey. this out. All right, shut up. <laughs> you've beat you've beat the goat and the king. Right. So yeah. I swear, like I came up with the best guys that ever lived. So I had to race Stephen Emmerich the whole time I was in Europe. Which right. Was <laughs> and then I come back and I'm racing Ricky Carmichael, who's ten times never lost a title champion. So yeah, it was it was a little tough. <laughs> yeah, Max, you got it easy, bro. But I do yeah. want to mention that you're a five-time BMX national champion and, of course, 2019 Youth Rider of the Year. So congratulations on that. Um, Thank you. Talk about, talk about that. Getting the Youth Rider of the Year, that's a big, uh, that's a big you know, honor, and there's a lot of kids in your age group coming up right now that are super, super talented. Yeah, I mean, to get the Youth Rider, really, you, you have to almost do what I did at Reddit's and, and win two titles and, and almost do it with six moto wins or five moto wins or however many because yeah. all the kids so all the kids will that are at the top of the top will be doing the same thing in their classes so it, it is really i'm really uh thankful for for earning that this year because i definitely worked hard on the super mini and we definitely stayed on the super mini until then and uh yeah i ended up working out and i ended up sweeping the biggest race of the year so and it's put me into a great position to where I'm at now coming into my pro years. Yeah, definitely. All right, so Talon, you went pro at 17. Max is now 17. Uh, lots yep. of change in the industry. Talk about that and the, the era of professionalism now versus maybe then, if, if you see a big difference. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a big difference. But I think that, you know, going back to the beginning of the conversation, um, you know, one of the things I feel like I can give Max is obviously the perspective that I have. And doing a lot of these things that my, generally like my dad and a lot of dads always like just pushing you up, pushing you up. Oh, you need to get pro. We, you know, you're good. You can do it. And I'm not, I've been right from day one with Max. My number one priority, even over winning or anything is risk management, you know? So I'm always trying to manage risk. And, and sometimes that means, it means that, Hey, we're, you know, we don't need to move up too early. You know, I, I don't really care. To me, it doesn't matter if he enters the market. I, I call entering the market once you turn pro. At 16, or you enter at 19 or 20, like uh, Justin Cooper. What's important is you're when you enter, you're ready to win. Yeah. Like an example, like um, Monster Cup. We didn't do Monster Cup. Uh, we had a couple years before where we were invited, and then we kind of looked at the situation and what was going on, and we decided, you know, let's let's wait. And I waited till I felt like he's really ready. Everything was the best it could be. We went in there. Okay, it's not that you're always going to win, but fortunately, he won. But by doing that, I didn't I didn't have to. Um, have him learn by by failure so that's one of the things i'm talking about the mental point with him is um i think winning is a learned habit so always just trying to put him in the position to win me and have the best bike the best program the best age the best situation you may still not win what's one thing i learned about racing is it's so freaking difficult and only one guy wins so <laughs> yeah um, it's put everything in your favor you might get lucky and win and that's what i'm trying to i'm trying to raise him so when he is pro and i hand him off to Roger or whatever the team managers are at that time that, okay, I'm done, but I have like, like a really good polished guy. My whole thing is like limited injuries, no concussions at the moment, no knee injuries. And I know to, to some people like, Oh, he's 17. And you know, I've, I've heard this like jet Lawrence obviously is amazing, but I, I have a different perspective than them. You know, I'm, I'm trying to get him there when he goes pro, I'll have him ready, but I want him to be, ready to also expand quickly and that means no injuries that limit the way you move or the way your body's structured 
So it's just, these are like a lot of things that maybe the normal parent doesn't think about, but I have the full, the, you know, the wide perspective. Of right, it, so right. I'm thinking about the long-term play. And yeah. So that's, that's why, in, in one way, he's 17 and he's not actually pro yet, but I would rather wait a year or even a second year if I need to. I just want to, I'll know when he's ready and then we'll go on there and we'll, we'll try to do our business. Yeah, I so think that's there's a huge level of maturity that comes at his age between 16 and 18. They change yeah, just, mentally, just, physically so much. My mentally is the huge thing. Yeah. I mean, I think Jeff is an amazing writer, but that was just a mental error, probably because he hadn't been there and been in that situation. But because he does that two years in a row and gets hurt, you know, if he gets hurt or, or whatever the situation is, 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 is it any different if he just takes the time off, goes slow, and then comes in two years later? Is it going to change anything? That I'm not 100% sure, but I want to try to put him in the best situation. I would rather wait and just try to bring him in as, as injury-free as he can and just see if we can do it. No, I think that's really smart, especially with the, the point-out system now, too. You know, the kid, if Max goes in at 17 and does really well a couple years in a row and then has to go straight yep. to the 450s, you know, which, right. which we could see, you know, Chase Sexton's about to do that. And that's, I don't know, man, that's a little young, little not, not enough time yet, I think. So, and I mean, he's a, you're always going to find some extreme examples. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's an extreme example or not, but um, most of the time, though, you see a great writer like Adam Censorello. Look how great he is now. Right. But he got way too early. I mean, you go look <laughs> yeah. at his video when he first started. He was a little – I mean, he looked really little. He's way bigger and stronger. Yep. If he would have waited and this would be his rookie year, would it change anything? I'm not sure, but I know he wouldn't have got as injured. Yeah, I agree. I agree. <laughs> so, I'm trying to – yeah, I'm just trying to think about it like that. So. Yeah. All right, so Talon, 1990, you were the AMA Rookie of the Year. Uh, you got a third at Hangtown and almost won Mount Morris. How surreal was that? Because, I mean, to go in as a rookie and you're riding against the best guys in the world and to, to be do that well, that's that's a lot. <laughs> I wish it would. I wish I would have been born in this era. Actually, <laughs> middle, two, middle 2000s would have been the best. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Again, there was only a few factory rides. Unfortunately, with the results I was getting that year, which – I think uh, I kind of came out at Hangtown, my home track. So I ended up getting third there, and it kind of gave me the confidence. And then I think I got fifth at Axton, and then second at Mount Morris, and then I started just running top fives like every round. The thing was at that time, though, is there was pro. Um, you had the pro level, but then we were considered pro and me, Jeremy, Imig, Buddy. But if you got fourth or fifth, but you were the first pro and rider, you got maximum amount of points per moto. Mm, so. Mm -hmm. I had done so well that year that I was already getting close to pointing out for the Supercross. So actually, I, I ended up, um, it's funny, I ended up getting offers. I was one of the first guys to pick that time because of, as internationals, and I was in third behind, I think it was Cooper and, uh, so I was actually like beating Kudrowski, but there was Cooper and Bale. So I was third in championship. <laughs> it's gnarly. And I had offers from Factory Suzuki from uh, this new team called Pink Honda. So I went and met the head guys there. But that was a strange deal because it was like 15000 um, salary for me, they give you like thirty thousand, and you got to pay your own mechanic. And they were gonna have trippy box fans. It was still just coming together. Like support teams were just starting. Mitch was the first one, and so that was really a strange deal. And then um, um, Yamaha had kind of another strange deal going on. And so Suzuki was the only one where I had like a full deal box fan for DM mechanic, full factories, like the dream, right? And so that's why I I ended up going with uh, Suzuki. But you know, yeah. when you get to the first race and you see how fast. <laughs> the peak bikes were that year it was you know if our bike was spot on we were just as good as them but it was so touchy where their bikes had more flexibility but it was it was an interesting time and uh, who knew the, how aggressive mitch would be you know every time he <laughs> gets involved with something yeah um, yeah you know looking back you always have hindsight oh, man, that would have been a good decision <laughs> no kidding yeah i mean but yeah like you said who knew that was unheard of at the time um yeah so 91 you win houston you beat the yep. king, and your brother yep. finished the second. What was that night like, and is that the highlight? Yeah, I would say that's the highlight. Tyson actually got third, so Jeremy passed him on the lap flat. Okay, okay. Um, but, you know, there were a lot of fast guys. People don't realize that was an east-west shootout. So you had Jeremy Buell, Brian Swink, um, Buddy, uh, Doug Henry, Steve Lampson. I mean, there were a lot of fast guys coming up at that time. It's always fast when there's an east-west shootout. Um, so that was definitely – more than anything, stand out for winning, but just stand out because you know my brother being on the podium at the same time. So that was that was a cool picture that we still have in my mom's house. So that was really exciting. And I definitely think out of everything I've ever done, that's probably the highlight of my career. Just being up there with my brother it was cool. Yeah. So, but then unfortunately, the the season took a turn. 
<clears throat> you get a little injury, or not yep. a little injury, you get an injury and you miss all of outdoors. So that season just went bad. And it, at that point, talk about the, the, the decision you made that changes the direction of your career. Yeah, so what happened, um, I dislocated my shoulder and it was pretty bad, so I had to get surgery. And um, what you find out is like Supercross is in the wintertime, but contract decisions are made more right when the Nationals are getting started on through the summertime. And it's so weird, you might suck at Supercross, which, um, and sometimes I did, but if you're flying on the outdoors, like, uh, they kind of like overlooked that. So, um, unfortunately, I was out at that time. So, if you're not in their face out there on the Nationals, it's easy to be forgotten or not be in the best position. And in fact, that was a situation. So, it's so, there was really, again, not a lot of support rides, right? So, I, I basically, they took Lampson to take my position on the team. So, yep. I, was, I was without a ride. So, I'm 19 years old. <laughs> I went from rookie year in 1990 to getting a factory ride to losing my ride because of injury, and you don't have a ride. And at that time, if you lost your ride, you basically were done. Right. You know? So yeah. the only option I thought, and this is how dumb I was, but uh, I did have a, I went over to the um, Fast Cross, which is a great race in Italy, and um, I got third there behind uh, Kuzar, who was the world championship, and, and Ray Johnson. I was like battling with those guys, and they got away from the end, but I still ended up third. So I had a couple offers uh, for my Italian teams, and I thought that okay, you know, look, those European guys—they they, don't—their helmets are black and white. They don't look very fast. I'll just go and win a world championship, come back, and I'll get a factory ride because world championships always get a factory ride. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It took me eight, eight be easy. years to come back. <laughs> it was not easy. I got my butt kicked over and over again, but um, you know, it was a learning experience. And and the one thing I've learned about life is in in situations where you think that. Um, this is horrible. It's a, it's a bad, it's a bad situation. What can be bad turns around sometimes to be what helpful to you. And in that case, you know, I spent the first year crying and it was, and is peeing on the phone, the family and just struggling. Right. The three years later, starting to fit in to speak in Italian, which led to my job now. So after I'm done racing, I speak Italian. I work with an Italian company at Turby's. So it's, it's strange, but you know, 25, 30 years later, it led me to this position that I'm at now. Exactly. Horrible. But, you can always turn whatever the situation is around to be in your favor. Yeah, time. yeah, it's it, we see it. We've seen it happen also with Zacho, you know, who kind of got a second chance. Um, yeah, Zacho kind of did the same thing. So yeah, Brown. And, and I've noticed that even when I came back and saw '99, how fast I was. At that time, when you went to Europe, it was almost like, almost like you look down on, or you're, or, or you know, you're, you're done. So nobody really thinks about you. So you do get a bit of a chip on your shoulder. So when you come back, I remember I came back, I was super on fire. And uh, I know Brownie the next year, he was he was gnarly that year. I remember watching him. Oh, yeah, my yeah. God. He would never clear the trip. He'd land right on a pair <laughs> man, and he'd win the race no matter what. <laughs> yeah. So, Max, um, you've, you've probably heard these stories your whole life. Um, how do some of these stories shape your thought process for your career? Because you, you've gone over, you know, to Matterly this year to try to do some racing. Obviously, things didn't work out with the, the coronavirus, and you're back home. But – I'm sure those things are in the back of your head, and you know you, you know these stories. You've heard them your whole life. What do they mean to you? What have you learned from them? Um, yeah, of course I've I've always heard them every day of my life, practically. <laughs> but um, it, for sure, it's definitely a tool that I'm going to be using in my future because he's gone through it and he's done everything that I'm planning on doing or more. And he, he knows how to strategize championships, race wins, all that. And, and really, to me, it's an advantage to be using someone like my dad to, to help me with that and, and not just trying to go out and do everything on my own. And and, and really, and then Madeley, yeah, going over there, he, he knows the people. He he knows what it's like to live in Europe and, and, and uh, you know, everything to that standard. And, and uh, I don't think if I had him. If I didn't have them, I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at right now. Yeah, so at a younger age, you know, when you knew you were – once you decided, okay, I'm going to go forward and try with a pro career, we're going to start making the moves to do that, did you think then, hey, I'd like to go to Europe at some point? Or was American Supercross and American Motocross really the focus? Well, you know, American Supercross is always – going to be the focus that's the biggest show of them all so you never we we thought about going over there and, and over the years with the nations you can see that the euros are definitely better at outdoors because supercross just takes so much of these guys times nowadays 
and they just they're just so focused on supercross because that's the main thing that's where the most money is it's where the most viewers are that's that's where everything's at so those guys focus so much on supercross and don't have only two weeks until outdoors start so i mean always going to have people saying you know euros are way faster but i mean you get you get some europeans on a supercross track they can't even ride yeah and, uh, so so really main focus supercross we we did go to madeley this year that was a, a a cool experience but for sure i i think we're going to be staying over here in, if, unless we get another opportunity to go over there okay so yeah the, the, idea, the idea was um that you know we were noticing that the europeans fast they have a, a pretty good amateur structure now and especially being there just seeing it how we got to go practice with liam and um, there's Kyrio. There were all the guys. It's almost like Glenn Helen about a week before the national. <laughs> right, right. Every guy was there. We got to ride with them. We got to see their routines. And, um, you know, the, the way it is over there, they're, they're not really limited to age groups. And I've noticed the kids moving up on, on the 125, even on the 250 when they're like 14 years old. So by the time they're 16, they're pretty dang good. Like some of them are battling for world championships. So, you know, recognizing that, I put a deal together with ATM so that we could go over and basically just train over there understand it ride those tracks and race with those guys because my idea is like you know again our priority is supercross but we also want to be ready for the nationals and for me with max i want to do the nationals first before i go into supercross mm-hmm. i want to just jump in straight into supercross i see so many kids either come from europe trying that and get injured or kids just jump in straight into supercross their first year and they get injured and by the time they get to the outdoors they're injured all year long so i want to try to avoid that and put him in a, a, a situation where he's more familiar like outdoor riding which he's been doing his whole life gain some confidence get to know who you can beat who you can't beat before you go into supercross the next year so i figured that uh you know going there for a couple of months would be a great opportunity for him to learn and and it was i mean yeah there were i can some imagine things that weren't, weren't great about the whole situation it rained a lot there which we knew was underneath london there were some tough things but there were definitely things we learned about him as well and so we're already applying those things to, to adjust and, and get them you know, more ready. So when we do when we do race here, what's up, guys? This is the Seven Juice Trade out of Intercom. I'm here to tell you about Aturbis USA. For decades, Aturbis has been the leader in motorcycle plastic and accessories like full plastic kits, frame guards, chain sliders, hand guards. In 2020, they are the proud sponsors of Red Bull Factory KTM. Factory Kawasaki, TLD KTM, and Rocky Mountain KTM, as well as many top privateers such as myself. All you gotta do is go to AturbeeUSA.com or call 1-800-659-1440 and y'all better tell them Motorized Pajo sent you. Okay. Max, let's talk about training a little bit. Um, when, you're, when you're growing up on 65s, I can't imagine your training process was like in the gym all the time. It was probably just a lot of riding. How has that evolved to what you do today? Um, I mean, yeah, on 65s, all I remember is like maybe we'd go run some sprints up up a small hill or something <laughs> right right before the right before Reddits or something. So mainly it was just all on bike and, and even right now we being 17 years old, you know, I'm not 26 and I don't have to, to think about, you know, man, am I going to be beat up the next day of riding? I'm young. I can recover fast. So we still do as much riding as we can because it's the best way to, to learn is when you're, you're using all the same muscles that you use on a bike when you're racing. So we do we do gym work and we do cycling and that, all that stuff, but we still focus on the, on the bike right now. Okay. Uh, so you've got your dad helping you with training, but you also have your Uncle Tyson I know most kids, like, when their dad tells them something, they're, you know, you're probably like, yeah, whatever, Dad, you don't know what you're talking about. It's typical <laughs> kids. But is it easier to take a piece of advice, the same piece of advice from your dad or your uncle? Uh, I, I mean, I'd probably say the same, but okay. my uncle's always, always picking apart things, and he's always watching videos and, and breaking things down, and that's that's what he's always done. So for him, he's off, he, he's got a little bit more – uh, technical of, of viewing it and saying something and, and knowing exactly to pinpoint like this is what you need to do here here and here instead of my dad just be like you just need to go do this go do it <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean I have to say just admit that 
I'm still a dad and it's so easy to get emotional and emotionally you, you get like, Hey, you should go faster. You should do this. And Tyson is totally, even when he worked with me, the thing I liked about him is he would just tell it always how it is. And sometimes I'd be, I'd be pissed. Like, but it takes you sometimes a day to digest it and go, you know what? I got to look at it like that. He's right. Yeah. I do need to look at it or I do suck at that, you know, and he'll (laughs) tell you. And so he's really, uh, just really level and just tell you how it is and sometimes you like it and sometimes you don't like it but it's good to have somebody like that where i'm i'm like with max especially at the race i try to be and i have a lot of experience but it's still so easy to let emotions start getting involved yeah I, yeah definitely uh i mean i remember just being a, a, at the local track with basically zero talent and having my dad kind of telling me you're doing this wrong you're doing that wrong i'm like look i'm going faster than you what are you telling you? <laughs> so I never wanted to hear anything from my dad, and you know, it's. But he probably knew what he was talking about. I just didn't want to hear it. But it's good to have two guys like that in your corner, Max. Um, how about this? So youth, youth, the amateur scene has gotten so huge, right? So much. There's a lot of money involved. The teams are are getting kids younger and younger. Uh, Max, you probably you have a lot of expectations. Uh, I would assume there's a lot of pressures, whether it be from Red Bull, TLD. Uh, KTM, how does a kid your age deal with that? How do you just be like, look, I'm still a kid. It's a lot of pressure to have it, 15, 16, 17. Well, really, in this sport, 15, 16, 17, you have to be, you have to be really mature and growing up, and and you have to start doing things on your own, and and really to deal with that pressure, you're gonna have that pressure, and even as an amateur, you might think it's big, but I mean, you go to the pros, it's gonna be you know way more so yeah so to really just just to like stay calm and and look forward into and stay focused on what you're doing and, and it really you don't you don't even think about it at the point but you know when you're always sitting on the gate behind the line you're always going to feel the nerves a little bit and a little bit of the pressure but if you just focus on your riding and, and what you're doing and 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 really just focus on winning there's there's not much pressure okay so talent i know you're in your office right now um what about your, you know, you've rode, rode all over the world, raced all over the world, got lots of trophies, a lot of cool things you've probably brought brought back home. What are some yeah. of your favorite trophies or things you've brought back from races? Yeah, so I was gonna, I was gonna tell you like um, racing in Europe. That's one of the coolest things. Is, <clears throat> um, each country, like, well, let me show you here. Okay. Some here on top, so it's kind of cool to show that what we got here. So take a look here. Um. Pretty much, I just have my very best trophies in here, but of course, there's one that people probably recognize. <laughs> Not so big in the U.S., but it's uh, it's my win I had there at um, Bud's Creek. But behind that is Talavera '97. I'd won the the World Championship GP there in Spain, and then um, the cool thing about the countries are like in Spain and Portugal, and most of my trophies in here are like that because they're all hand painted and handmade, <clears throat> so they're really cool. But um, they're all made of pottery, but if you go, for example, Russia or Czechoslovakia, uh, their main trophies are all crystal because that's the kind of resources they have in those countries. Wow. So it's pretty, it's really pretty cool. Like, and you go to South America, I mean, they just get such beautiful trophies around. So yeah, those are yeah, beautiful. That, that was the funnest thing, you know. So that's that's what I like, and yeah, I'm fortunate to, to have those, and um, you know, <laughs> I show Max it every day. Hey, this lady got to do. <laughs> Uh, but, um, so, yeah. all right, Talon, when it comes to working with Max, what are some of the things that you focus on the most? Uh, I know you've talked about the mental game, but, you know, just when yeah. you're out at the track on a, a weekday, and what, are there, do you do uh, corner drills? Do you do technique drills, braking? You know, uh, keep, what kind of stuff do you work on? Yeah, no, we, we work on different. You know, we work on moto. We work on, um, I mean, motos. Doing motos, we work on technical stuff. Um, one of the things that we just recently got, which is pretty cool, uh, I think I'll maybe take it out and, and, and show you guys, but uh, when, when he was younger, we ended up getting an offset, which was a little electrical bike, and that was that was great. So you'd ride that in the backyard. And to me, it's a lot about, I feel like I look at him like a computer, right? So you want to you want to put as much input in there as you can, be it wheelie, uh, fast, slow, sit on the seat, stand up. Because what happens in a race, your body and mind will pull from every piece of knowledge or input that you have. So I look at them like that. So I'm always trying to you talk about pressure, but I can hope in my mind, I try to alleviate the pressure and the risk by putting as much input. That means doing a lot of different things. So besides even doing motos, we do a lot of technical riding. I'm, 
and really excited about this um, <laughs> this new KTM electric bike that we got because we're able to fortunately go within five minutes of the house, which is so nice because normally for us to ride a track now, it's an hour drive each way, if not a little more. We lose so much time. Like this, we can go over, cross in the field, and we have a place where it's my old stomping grounds, but now you can't ride there because there's houses. Well, with electric bike, nobody comes out there. So yeah. it's really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, let's I, go take a look at that. Yeah, let's do it. I need to get my hands on one of those because I have a lot across the street from my house that people don't like well, when I'm I thinking crank the I'll 450. Take you guys, I'll take you guys out in the garage if you can still hear me and uh, yeah. show you this, uh, this electric bike here. Yeah, typical typical garage, but <laughs> it's crazy. So um, I've been pretty excited about this thing. So <laughs> I'm now a factory mechanic. No filter, no oil, <laughs> no nice. pipe, no silencer. It's crazy. So just got to do like the chain, and there is a little transmission in this thing here. Transmission right here. Um, whoops. Yeah. So there is a little transmission in this thing just to change the oil, but um, it's it's super super easy, and it's 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 fast. It's just about as fast as a 125, and it lasts about an hour. Okay. For riding, and we just. I mean, we just have, he just has so, I wish, I, I want to get one too, but he has so much fun on it. I'm like, dude, <laughs> we got to get another one. So. Yeah, they, anyway, they, yeah, just, I really I'm think there's a big future for those things. You know, it's unfortunate that, you know, the other brand went away, but I think eventually we're going to see the market flooded with those things. Oops, I got to turn that around there. There you go. Um, yeah, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm, um, a lot of people say, oh, it's so tough now. How do we get kids back involved off the video games? But, you know, with KTM and Husky coming out with this new electric 50, I really think that's going to open the doors because a dad can come home from work, go across the street in the field or a little BMX park, have his kid ride for 15, 20 minutes, come home, eat dinner, do his homework, and that's going to create the passion again. you got to get the wheels under the kid before they have the passion. So yep. I think that, you know, I really think that if, if this whole virus doesn't hurt our economy too much, we get things turned back around. The next four or five years can be really, really good for Moto. I hope so. Um, you know, because they got the Stasic bikes too. I'm like, I don't do nothing with those guys, but I'm just saying what I'm seeing is you got Stasic for the little kids, what gets them up to the next bike, yes. which is electric. Right now, I think there's KTM and, and Cobra and, and Husky, and eventually, hopefully, the other guys will get involved and we can get some, some of those things going. And then, you know, then we get the passion coming right up in the next generation. Yeah, it's, I definitely, like I said, I think it's the wave of the future. It just, it didn't come as quick. When when Alta first came out, I thought, okay, this thing's about to take off. It's just going to take some time. And people, you know, when two strokes went to four strokes, you got all the, the people that were like, I'm never going to get a four stroke. But eventually it kind of caught on and it's, you know, it's what we deal with now. And yeah, at some point it's, it may be all electric bikes. Who knows? Right. Um, okay. So, yeah, well, I, I always felt like they were spending a lot of money on the big bikes, but kids bike where the you know the dad wants to come home and take the kid ride and he don't care if you ride that much so i really think that that's the right direction i agree yeah 100 percent. um so i asked max about you know the mental game and all that the pressures talent so as a parent of a up-and-coming uh star you know amateur racer how do you balance just letting him be a kid sometimes you know go hang out with your buddies kind of get your mind off of just basically what's his com becoming his job yeah, I, I um I you know, I have a lot of experience with that too and I, I tell them that and there's there's certain things that that, that um so I, I mean I'll just tell you like it's almost like a secret or something, but <laughs> I have him warm up on his bicycle like a it's a thing you put behind the wheel. So what we stationary type bicycle, right? It's, it's his mountain bike, but basically that's his trigger, right? Because I told him you have your normal life but then you have your, your racing life and you gotta be able to to switch that mm -hmm. that 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 that, tr that trigger. And so and you got to be careful because I've also learned that what makes you good at racing isn't really that great in normal life. So you got to have the things, the two separated. So actually, again, just from my experience, those are the things that I talk about with him and tell him, like, you got to, but you got to be able to switch both ways. Like, sometimes it's hard to go from normal to get your race face on. And sometimes it's hard to go from having your race face not to be like that in a normal situation. And that, that just doesn't go good either. So you got, you got to be able to, to have triggers and one of them is like i tell you and i have him do it when he goes on his out practicing racing it's always the same so when you get on your bike and you get your music on that's your trigger you're in another you're in a different person after that right. then when you're done you've got to 
take your gear off and go back to being a normal person, happy-go-lucky. But business is business, and when you put your headphones on, you get on your bike, it's time for you to do business. So I don't know. I'm just kind of like sharing what I what I share with them. I don't know. If yeah, it makes no, sense that's good because you know it, you see the pressures getting to some of the guys. You know, we saw Ron Villapoto at the peak of the career of what, you know, Max is hoping to get to, and it didn't seem like he enjoyed things. And he admitted he really didn't enjoy things. And, and we've yeah. seen that with some other riders, you know, and, and I hate to see that. I, I've had a chance to talk to Max, and I've talked to Ryder Francisco and Carson Mumford, and all these kids are still kids, man. You can just tell they have this passion. They love riding, but they love going to ride BMX with their buddies. They just like right. – and I hate that at some point they may lose some of that, you know. I just – uh, it sucks. And that's and I honestly I never got to like a Villa Pota level. I, I can't imagine the demand on those guys and I know probably in some ways it beats them down. Some guys deal with it better than others and like it or don't like it. Um so I'm I'm not really hundred percent sure, but just you know, what I know I'm trying to give to him and that's just you know, to put your mindset like for racing, but when you're done with racing you gotta get back out of that and just get back to normal life. Right. So when you first went to Europe, uh Talon obviously totally different situation different time period in life no cell phones no gps no yeah. uh, hey let me cut let me get on my phone and uber eats and have them deliver some food you had to figure everything out the hard way like max he had to open a, a literally a map and probably find his way to these tracks right and uh you know maybe in a phone book which you probably don't know what that is but uh, how difficult <laughs> yeah. yeah what was that like you know just trying to adjust to that way of life talon so, you know, when I first went over there the first few weeks, you feel good because you don't have distractions. So you can really focus on your training. But then you find out about three or four weeks, you can only train so hard. Right. Soon you, start, you start getting burned out. I'm on the phone calling again, like literally crying at home. I spent most of my salary just calling home. Oh, because geez. there you have landlines, so you're just getting charged the regular phone bill. It was insane. But um, over time, going a couple of years, um, I adjusted. I learned to speak Italian. I had an Italian girlfriend. And. Um, it just it just took time, but it was difficult. When I first went there, I literally – it's funny. You think about other countries. If you haven't been there, they just seem so different. And Italy and, and the countries in Europe are not. They're very similar. But I went over. I took shampoo. I took conditioner. <laughs> I, took a, I took a TV with a VHS player, and I took a bunch of American tape. Yeah, and, yeah. God. And, but now, nowadays, too, for the kids to go over, like we went over just a few weeks ago, and you have – you know, if you get the we, – we paid and got a little extra for our AT&T, so we have um, the live streaming – you got YouTube. You got all your everything you yeah. have here. It's, yeah, it's so easy now. It's so easy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's man. I I kind of wish at sometimes like man. I wish we'd had cell phones as a kid or whatever. But then I also see the, how the kids all the time they're stuck in the house looking at their cell phones. I'm like I try to get my stepdaughters like let's go ride bicycles. No, and they <laughs> they miss out. You know, leaving in the morning and not. And if you did come home during the day, your mom being like, why are you home? Get out of the house. You know, we, we, and they just, I think they're missing out on the social one-on-one, -on -one, you know, they socialize on phones, but not like we did, not being out, right. going playing basketball, and man, they, yeah, I think just, they're missing out. They're just so different now. All they do is do what we're doing right now, FaceTime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, all right, let's Great. see here. Let's, Max, do you, uh, have you taken the time to think about where your career is going and let that sink in, the fact that, look, a lot of people know who you are. You're 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 destined at this point to be one of the best riders probably in the world. Um, is that something that you've even registered? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't even think you, you can really comprehend, especially at my age right now. I I've been racing my my whole career so far from seven, and you know you, you meet a lot of people, and 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 just having the following I have on Instagram is is pretty big. But yeah, I can only if you're the best how worldwide you are and 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 really even for guys like Roxon who's got like millions of followers on like a million point four I think on Instagram like it's just like even hard to comprehend that's many people that are even just watching you and, and right. just want to know what you're doing so really really now hasn't sunk in yet but man when I'm pro for, for sure there's gonna there's gonna be a lot of people on be like Man, now now it's really sinking in. Yeah, autograph signings, walking through yes. the stadium, everybody wanting a minute of your time. Uh, media guys like myself or Steve Mathis trying to get time with you. Yeah, you're you're gonna be you're gonna be drained. But uh, what's the coolest it's thing? Pretty, Go ahead. It's, I was gonna say it's pretty cool nowadays. Though we're part of the Orange Brigade. Yeah. And um, I even did this a little bit with with King Green. It was just starting then. 
Uh, but they, they ha- actually have even a media training for the kids nowadays. Oh, so they, they, they do work with them. They do help them to learn a little bit and, and teach them to kind of, you know, learn to speak in a good way. So that's it's really cool, like our sport's grown to that level. Yeah, well, you know, Max, you've been on my show, the Moto Xbox show, a couple times. Yeah. Uh, maybe yeah. two years ago was the first time. And then I think right after, right around maybe Red Bull Straight Rhythm, I can't remember. Um, but, yeah, and your dad was like, hey, you know, I, I want him to get some work on this, you know, to getting used to talking because that is a big part of the career now. Uh, Max, I want to know, what's the coolest thing you've got to experience so far because of what you do? Um, like, was it going to Europe and riding with some of those guys, or what? what is it? Uh, I mean, yeah, the Europe experience was, was something that only comes around once in a lifetime. So, for sure, that was was a really cool experience, but... I think the, the biggest thing for me is, is just, like, the crowd. I remember at Monster Cup and even straight rhythm while you're, like, riding on the track and, and you do something cool, a whip, scrub, pass, or whatever, and you, you hear the crowd scream. Like, it really is motivating when, when you're on the track. And, and yeah. That's the best experience I've had so far. Okay. Well, just so you guys know, we're down to about 10 minutes, and I still have a ton of stuff I wanted to get to. Um, so we're probably going to skip a few things. Um, Talon, I want to okay. know – in 2000, so you came back from Europe, you got a ride with PC, you got a two-year deal, which at that time, coming back from Europe and getting a PC deal was not something that a lot of guys got the opportunity. So it was sort of a second life for you in America. Um, yeah. Talk about that a little bit, and then I w- I'd like you to kind of talk about the situation in Switzerland in 2000 when Ben Tamley came out with the swagger, and you kind of knew, hey, oh. it's – Yeah, okay. So I want you to talk um, about that just for a minute. Um, yeah, so in, in, in 98, I was uh, roommates with uh, Bob Moore, and he was telling me how the guys were getting good bonus money over here. And, you know, I, I didn't really have opportunity to get a, a tremendous salary. He sent me over the contract, so he did, and, oh, my God, it, it really did have the bonuses <laughs> in it. So I said, hey, if I'm going back to America, uh, this is my opportunity, and I got to take it, and that's what we did. So we had the FMF Honda, did that for a year. I, I trained so hard <clears throat> that year. Uh, especially going into Glen Helen, that uh, really, really, I mean, I was ready. I mean, yeah. that's why I did as good as I did. I mean, I, can't, I tried to tell Max, and I'm still trying to get him mentally there because being a young guy coming up, he's, he doesn't really understand what it's like to be pro yet, so we're work, we're working on that. But um, that enabled me to 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 have Mitch, you know, give me an offer, and, uh, and it was a two-year deal. So that was, again, that life was stranger than dreams. Losing your ride at 19, um, going to Europe, not doing very well during the first two years you think it's over yeah and then just grinding and grinding and grinding then come back and then do as well as i did then get on mitch for two years good money good program i mean again it was just it was unbelievable so um it did put me in a great position but again i was getting older 27 or 28 and um had some injuries you know had built up over time concussions ended up going back to europe um at that time too what happens is you start you get to the point where you're making good money and to get that same money, sometimes you got to go on a team that's just coming up, mm-hmm. and they're you know they're investing in you because they want you to get the result. But as you get older, you start to realize how important the bike and program and the whole system is. But you think I can do it, I can do it, and and um, not that it was bad, but our team just wasn't super adequate on the bike and program. And so I'm really pushing hard and only getting like sixth or seventh, you know. And then you get these young kids that are coming full back to ATM, which was been telling at the time. And I remember when I was leading the world championship in 95, 96, and, you know, you, it's, it's weird, but mentally you just, you're at a different level. Like, you, you just feel different. You, like, you, you feel like you should be winning. You are the guy. Right. You look like You act like the guy. And when I was sitting, I got about 13 times, so I'm waiting, you know, and the number one guy's going by, which is that time the So I just remembered at that moment, that's the moment that I decided I need to retire because I always said that, you know, if I'm sitting there questioning why I'm not feeling like that, then I don't need to be out here. And so that was the moment when I saw him, you know, walking with the glasses, just like I used to do when I was leading the championship. <laughs> He's leading the championship. And I, I said that to myself, what the hell am I doing here? So um, at that point, I was like, you know what, I think I'm going to I'm gonna retire. And I talked it with my brother. And, and uh, that's kind of like led to the Turbies. I, I was actually riding for them as an athlete. I knew all the guys there. I knew Franco. I spoke Italian. I knew they had a company here in the U.S. I decided to go down there and, and give them a pitch like, hey, I want to retire, but I really think I can help in the U.S. So they put me in the racing division, and that's how I got started with them. So, and then uh, started in 03, and, uh, you know, look where we're at now, like already <laughs> 18 years. 
That's crazy. Yeah. And, and at the time, like, I've heard you say, you know, you had no experience. Like, you didn't know how to use a computer, really. But they took the time. Yeah. They gave you a shot. And it's yeah. led into what it is now. Cherubies USA is killing it. Um, yeah. Max, do yep. you do you think about, you know, you're still young. you got a long way to go. But do you think, hey, I do need to have something to fall back on? You know, are there thoughts of, like, hey, someday I would like to do this after my racing career? Some Something? Um. Uh, right now, being being 17 and just you know being a teenager, all you think about is is racing and, and girls. And somewhat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I mean, I haven't really looked into like what I'm doing after racing because that just seems like so so far, and, and just don't want to really get caught up in something like that. So, yeah, that's fair. I've just been focusing on on racing and and being in the motor industry. I know. I know dirt bikes. That's all I know. Right. Really, I don't know. That, there's nothing wrong with that at 17. Okay, so I'm yeah. gonna try to rapid fire some things. The number 711, Talon. You ran it. Now you you run it when uh, Max. What Talon? What does that mean to you that your son chose to run your number? Yeah. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you how it started. So when I was really little, I ran the number seven. My brother was 11. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Seven, seven, right. So when I became an amateur, I'd ran it for a while, and then. You know, left and when I came back, I had to get a three-digit number. I'll go back to Seven Eleven, and um, yeah, that year racing with Ricky, it just got super popular. People knew me from that number, and then, um, but I, I didn't have Max. I, I kind of made him earn the number, so <laughs> he was number three for a long time because I was three in Europe. I'm like, no, 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 that's 7-11. my number. I'll tell you, when ready for Seven Eleven. Well, one of his main competitors was Jet Reynolds, and they battled a lot when, all the way through the '50s and everything, and. He had one race where he won, I think, all six motos at, at, at our home track in town here. But after that, Dad went, all right, dude, for now you're 7 So it's kind of like a, like a bonus at the end of the day. And he started running it after that. And so he's been running it the whole time. And it's pretty cool. It makes me feel proud. So right. It's, cool. It's, all right. So Cherry said sent some questions over. I want to hit a couple of these. Um, yep. Talent, can you say something to Max that he needs to improve on? I do it every day. Every day. <laughs> can you tell us? Well, like, give us an example. <laughs> or is it well, on the day? If I talk about, about Rahidin, um, the one thing I'm pushing him on is just um, you know entrance speed into the corner because I, I feel like um, he middle the, the, to the exit um, he's he's really strong, but he gives up if you give up too much in the beginning you can never get that back. Mm. It's better to check up middle to the end if you're overheating it coming in, but you can't get that back, so you always always push him to to have better entrance speed, and that's that's just literally what we're working right now. Yeah. Okay, Max, something that your dad can improve on, whether it be when he's on the bike or just how he trains you. I don't know, or as a, you know, whatever you want. Um, maybe be a little bit more specific, and just just tell me exactly how I need to do it because sometimes you'll just tell me to go fast, and I'm like, well, I don't even know what the hell you're talking about. You're just telling me to go fast. <laughs> so maybe a little bit more like, okay, well this is how you need to do this and and that and yeah <laughs> really i just just go out there and just blast it as fast right. as i can do it like, that's good and i'm like well it's kind of like a one-off thing like i i literally just blew the whole burma <laughs> i don't know how to repeat that yeah and be consistent yeah with that. I understand. yeah all right um are there any uh, athletes oh yes go ahead talon uh do we have any questions we want to have like five minutes left maybe we'll take a few from um, the guys in the audience yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, see if uh, you guys are listening. Throw out some questions, and I'll, I'll ask those. Um, I think here. That, you see any? Uh, you see any, Max? No. Yeah, I wanted to. I wanted to do that if we could. I almost forgot. Like, well, we What's your biggest competition right now? Um, Everybody. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> here we go. Two A Buck three three eight. Just asked. Do you like U.S. tracks or European tracks? I mean, you. I think. Matterly Basin, was that the only track you were at, or did you get to ride some other tracks? I rode a few tracks over there. Uh, the gnarliest track was, um, I think, Grovenharsh is what it was called in Germany. Sand track is where um, Osborne and Anderson were riding before uh, the donations. And, yeah, okay. So I was, that track's gnarly, and I like the sand, but their, their tracks and outdoor riding over there is so much gnarlier than what we got here. It was Just, super, it super. Was so nice. I mean, it's typical. I rode over there in Holland. It is like that. Man, they're rough. Really yeah. rough. Yeah. Really rough. Some guy named Fully46 wants to know when you're going to go pro, Max. Um, this guy's an idiot. <laughs> uh, hopefully next year at Hangtown 2020. Okay. Speaking of, speaking of fully, speaking of fully, speaking of fully forty six, there's your number plate, buddy. 
<laughs> up there by the Eli Tomac one. But, there you uh, go. All right. So uh, let me get – what athletes outside of Moto, Max, do you look up to? Um, Dungey and Bill uh, – outside. outside of Moto. Outside of Moto? Yeah, like do you – Oh, uh, for sure Money Mayweather. Okay. What about him do you like? Why is he uh, – why do you look up to him? He's – his self-motivation and just the way he did things and, and how when he went into fights that he was – an entertainer that's what he was doing and he wanted to be the best entertainer but also the best fighter but to be the best entertainer you have to be the best fighter so he was he was really into the fans and really got them into it and he he sold views and and pay-per-view and and that's like if you follow that guy then you're most likely going to be successful because he's got the mindset of being the absolute best okay um so i don't i hadn't seen any other questions pop up uh, I'm trying to scroll real quick, see if there are any before we get shut off here. I see somebody asking, uh, what did you like, the SX or MX? Uh, SX is more fun to ride. Man, I I never had that kind of talent. I, anybody, that's, <laughs> If anybody's seen my uh, video of me riding Bradshaw's Yamaha a few months ago, they know how that went. <laughs> Not good. Um, okay, so I got one more here from a Cherubis. They want to know, Max, do you use YouTube to study other riders? I guess that's become somewhat of a common thing. Is that something you've worked on? Yeah, we do that every day. We have uh, an Apple TV, so we can watch YouTube on the TV, and, and it's just playing. It's running all day. Yeah, just, that's, the videos just run. Back we back. know every race of every <laughs> path. That's all we yeah. do. <laughs> that's one cool thing is that actually have my brother living here with us. with me, Max, my brother, my daughter pretty moved out so <laughs> we're just moto guys man yeah that's, that's it it's, pretty fun. it's very cool around here yeah. well in your day talent the, the other question that cherubis had put up was how did you study your riders and i would have to assume it's just go out and watch them ride at the track there weren't yeah, a lot of other options that's the thing is the younger that's why younger generations are always getting better than the older generation and then new technologies and things and um you know i just didn't know i mean i was training with LaRocco, training with teammates at that time but you really don't know what the other guys are doing? You, you know, the only guy was Bailey. So I did train a little bit with Bailey, and you, you know, yeah, became a lot to get the videos and watch. But you know, it's so much different now for the kids. They get to watch and study everything all the time. And I think, I mean, he gets to even do like GoPros all the time. He does yeah. that, so it's like yeah. it's like the racing. So those are why the younger generation always becomes the next step. So that's the progression. The progression. Yeah. Well, guys, I feel like we've kind of we're about at the end of our hour, and I think we've pretty yeah. covered much covered everything. Is there uh, anything else you got, Max? You want to thank any of your other sponsors? What I mean, besides the Cherubis? Oh uh, yeah, I just thank really Red Bull and KTM for for giving me the opportunities that they have so far, and, and hopefully in the future they'll they'll be more and uh, hopefully win some races, maybe some championships along the future. But that's the goal, and uh, yeah, thank everyone to support me. Guys, I had I had a blast, and I want to once again thank Ada Cherubis Motorsports for inviting me to do this. We got 28 seconds remaining. Um, if you guys are watching this, please follow us. My show at Moto X Pod Show on Instagram. Uh, we do shows every Tuesday night. We just had Cooper Webb on this last week, and Ben Spees. We did a, a road bike guy, but typically it's Moto Supercross. Uh, yep. Talon, thanks for reaching out to me and offering this uh, yep. deal. And it was a blast. We got eight seconds left. What you got? Anything left? That's it, guys. Thank I appreciate it. Thank you for all joining, out. and yeah. we look forward to seeing you guys again on the next live stream. All right. See That's you. it.